Stock markets moved sharply higher into mid-August on the hope for a shift towards an easier Fed in the fourth quarter and in 2023. Real interest rates were falling into Chairman Powell's speech in late August, having peaked on June 15th. The markets had interpreted Powell's July comments to signal the possibility of a downshift in the pace of interest rate hikes. Jerome Powell's eight-minute speech at Jackson Hole on Friday, August 26th, threw cold water on that. Since then, virtually every asset market in the world has moved lower on a price basis. Stocks lower, bond prices lower, commodity prices all lower. I'm Chris Paris with Oak Harvest Financial Group in Houston, Texas, and welcome to our weekly stock podcast, Keeping You Connected to Your Money. Before we get into this week's topic, the Fed plays catch up. Do they really want to break something? Please take a moment to click on the subscribe button and click on the notification bell so you'll be alerted when our team uploads our latest content. Over the last few weeks, Jerome Powell and other Fed officials have reiterated that the central bank's commitment to fight inflation is its top priority. It's top priority over economic growth. The Fed has already raised interest rates twice by 75 basis points. And by the time this episode is published, a third consecutive 75 basis point increase will likely have been minted at the Fed's September 20th and 21st meeting. While Chairman Powell was repeatedly said that the Fed and its committee is data dependent, the government data they review continues to show elevated and stubborn inflation. The Fed generally relies on data collected mainly by the Bureau of Labor Statistics, which historically lags behind what's going on in the real-time economy by months, both on the way up and the way down. The release of the August CPI data on September 13th exceeded analyst expectations and set off a cascade down in stocks and up in Fed rate interest rate expectations. The Dow Jones Industrial Average fell over 1,275 points, or almost 4%. The S&P 500 dropped over minus 4.25%, and the tech-heavy NASDAQ sank the most over 5.15% on the day post the release. The sell-off was especially painful in high-growth areas of the market with terminal values whose most affected by the change in interest rate. The August Consumer Price Index showed headline inflation rising 0.1% month over month, even with falling gasoline and oil prices. Core inflation rose 0.6% month over month. On a year-over-year basis, inflation still came in at 8.3%. That's high. Opposite this government data, the real-time data is saying the Fed is already getting some of the results they're seeking. Money supply growth has tanked over the last nine months after rising exponentially post-pandemic. Lower M2 money supply growth usually leads inflation by nine to 12 months. The economy has materially slowed in 2022. Housing demand is falling off a cliff rapidly. The labor market slowdown is underway as companies reevaluate hiring. The jobs market is cooling with a rash of summer layoff announcements ranging from technology companies like Twilio to FedEx to auto manufacturers such as Ford. Layoffs are not inflationary for wages. So if things are headed in the Fed's direction, what is the Fed looking at? Why are they so hawkish and wanting to raise short-term interest rates so fast after spending a decade plus worrying that inflation was too low or delaying raising rates so long in 2021 when the economy was doing much better. The Fed is afraid that inflation will become hardwired in the economy much as it was in the 1970s. The two components of inflation that the Fed is focused on that are the major drivers of inflation in August were shelter costs and wages. Shelter costs rose 0.7% for the month. The Fed can't do much about housing costs outside of raising interest rates, which zaps mortgage demand. Six to six and a quarter percent mortgage rates are already wreaking havoc 
with first-time home demand for millennials. Unfortunately, shelter costs are the most lagging variable in the CPI basket. The shelter index in the CPI basket lags housing price by up to 18 months. So if housing prices drop today, it'll take more than a year for the CPI methodology to factor it in. Historically, both shelter and wages are lagging inflation indicators, not leading. Why are shelter and labor costs usually lagging? They're slow to start to move up, but they're also late to peak and decline, largely because they're not priced in real time. People rent an apartment once every year or two. Most people don't buy a house often, so the pricing there is hardly real-time inefficient. Commodities, while not a large component of inflation readings in service economies such as America, tend to be leading indicators of future inflation. But for now, the Fed is discounting the collapse in commodities. Lumber has collapsed. Oil and gasoline are down materially off the summer highs. Early in 2022, oil pricing was up 100% year over year. Right now, it stands up about 30% year over year. Below $85 a barrel in the fourth quarter of this year, oil will be down year to year. Many other commodities are already showing negative year over year comparisons. Lumber and copper, big commodity construction inputs, are down year to year. Copper is down 20% year to year. Hot rolled steel is down 60% from last summer's demand spike with supply constraints. In fact, it's back to 2018 levels already. Take a look at that chart. The Fed is concerned about a tight labor market, a tight labor market which has been made worse by both the COVID epidemic and acceleration in early retirees the last three to five years. The concern is that higher wage growth may make it hard for the Fed to bring down inflation. But listen, everyone, they're getting their wish. Maybe not as fast as they want or the market thinks, but it's happening. You can see it in the labor participation rates increasing by 0.3% in August to 62.4%. That still sits below the pre-COVID 63.4% level, but it's up from the COVID pandemic lows of barely 60%. And better yet, it's headed higher and to the right. This is over time should help the Fed lessen their concerns over wages as more bodies participate and wanna work in the workforce just as job openings start to fall. Well, this dynamic leads to what? It historically leads to slower wage and benefit growth as employers regain negotiating leverage over new and existing employees. Given that we're recording this pre-Fed meeting, I'm gonna assume the Fed raised rates by 75 basis points earlier this week. That would be the third time this year. Over the previous 30 years, the Fed has only raised rates three quarters of a percent one other time. When was that? The last time the Federal Reserve raised interest rates by 75 basis points, like now, a Democratic president was in his second term, President Clinton. In November of 1994, Alan Greenspan announced a rate hike from 4.75% to 5.5%. Recall much like this year, we had started raising rates early in 1994 when rates were about 3%. Way back then, the stock market had enjoyed a couple of good years in 1992 and 1993, but it had peaked in early 1994 when Greenspan began tightening rates. By the time Greenspan raised rates by 75 basis points in late November, the stock market had already been declining for about 10 months, returning to where it was a full year and a half earlier. The Fed raised rates from three to 6% from February 1994 to February 1995, including the November 75 basis point raise. Take a look at the chart of the S&P 500 in 1994. The circles are the beginning of the Fed tightening cycle and the one in November was Greenspan's 75 basis point increase. 
As one can see by the chart, the stock market was already headed up and to the right before the Greenspan pivot to the notion of possibly cutting rates in the second half of 1995. The markets were most interested in the rate of change in monetary policy. So the current Fed is taking the current inflation problem deathly serious with these 75 basis point rate hikes. Why? It wants to make sure inflation expectations don't become unanchored. So what does unanchored mean in layman's terms? It means the Fed doesn't want consumers or businesses to expect prices to rise in the future. If consumers expect prices to rise and continue moving higher in the future, they might change their behaviors and inflation might be become self-fulfilling. If you're afraid prices will go up next week, you buy things in advance. You stockpile and you hoard. It's the opposite issue in deflation, which is where people put off buying because they feel they'll get a better deal by waiting a week or two. There are a few ways to track inflation expectations. People can conduct surveys of consumers and businesses. Those surveys have already been headed down. Or you can look at real-time market-related data like we've discussed before. Right now, inflation expectations are well anchored across all time frames from two to 30 years. After spiking earlier in the year, the most volatile and near-term two-year break-even inflation rate has fallen back to levels seen earlier last decade. Take a look at the chart. It got as high as 5% early in the year, but now it's sitting between 2.15 and 2.5%. That's approaching the Fed's stated inflation goal of 2%. The reason that almost all investment markets have been on edge since Powell's Jackson Hole speech is that while the real-time markets see inflation fears and risks subsiding, asset investors are afraid that either the Fed doesn't see the same thing or they don't care and they're set on a path of causing a recession to meet their inflation-fighting goals. As we've discussed a few times this year, the main cause for the broad downturn of all assets, including commodities, is the market's expectation of higher real interest rate yields, the second component of interest rates. Does the Fed want to throw our economy into a recession to tame inflation? Inflation that by all accounts they created a lot of by staying too easy with their monetary policy too long so as not to hurt workers? And the parts of inflation they don't control, like commodities and energy prices, which are already falling fast out of their control? I mean, I don't know. That seems draconian to me. What I do believe is that as soon as the markets feel that the Fed sees the pace of inflation slowing, whether that's in real-time data series, which we watch, or the lagging government BLS data, and the pace of their rate increases begins to slow, it will likely be reflected almost immediately in a peaking of real interest rates across the interest rate maturity curve. This will likely lead to a collective relief exhale by all investors across stocks, bonds, commodities, and real estate in a retreat in market volatility around almost every asset class. Much as we saw from mid-June through mid-August, a collective exhale, which would likely cause a collapse of future volatility expectations, calmer markets, and a significant upward rally in stocks. It's been a sloppy, choppy, rotational mess this year in a difficult environment for the stock market as the market wrestles with how slow the economy will get as the Fed continues along its fourth quarter rate increases. The good news is that while we don't believe the Fed needs to actually pivot to lower rates to get the markets moving higher once again, we're currently of the belief that given the employment picture and slow growth we're in, the market would exhale significantly with just a general roadmap of slower interest rate increases over the coming six months instead of more 
75 basis point increases on the table. The real-time data behind the scenes says the Fed is succeeding in lowering inflation. Investors want to know that the Fed sees it and believes it too, and is willing to take their foot off the gas of monetary policy tightening as inflation slows. If the ongoing market volatility is making you feel uneasy, give us a call and schedule a meeting with an Oak Harvest advisor. Our team does have insurance-based tools that don't have the volatility of public markets. However, we remind you that these investments may also lower your long-term expected returns. At Oak Harvest, we think our clients are best served by us helping them plan for their future needs instead of focusing on the past. The future in stock markets are always uncertain, and that is why our retirement planning teams plan for your retirement needs first and your greed second. Give us a call here to speak to an advisor and let us help you craft a financial plan that helps you meet your retirement goals. Call us here in Houston at 877-896-0040 and schedule an advisor consultation. The initial one is free. We're here to help you on your financial journey into and through your retirement years. I'm Chris Paris, and from the whole team here at Oak Harvest, have a blessed weekend. All content contained within Oak Harvest podcast expresses the views of the speaker and is for informational purposes only. It is based on information believed to be reliable when created, but any cited data, indicators, statistics, or other sources are not guaranteed. The views and opinions expressed herein may change without notice. Strategies and ideas discussed may not be right for you, and nothing in this podcast should be considered as personalized investment, tax or legal advice, or an offer or solicitation to buy or sell securities. Indexes such as the S&P 500 are not available for direct investment and your investment results may differ when compared to an index. Specific portfolio actions or strategies discussed will not apply to all client portfolios. Investing involves the risk of loss and past performance is not indicative of future results.